This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 7, Episode 4. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 4 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Amy Valentine, CEO and Education Evangelist at Future of School, a public charity designed to support the growth of innovative school models integrating blended and online learning. Future of School is dedicated to mobilizing change in American K-12 education from a one-size-fits-all system to one that ensures all students reach their unbounded potential. The Resilient School Project is a cross-sectional public-private partnership to bring our nation together to create prepared and empowered students, parents, teachers, and schools. The project has one goal to help our country go from crisis schooling to remote education. And a little bit about Amy. Prior to guiding Future of Schools incubation and launch, she managed a portfolio of Colorado schools where she led academic and operational turnaround strategy. She also previously served as executive director for a network of Nobel Learning Community Schools in California. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. So let's get our conversation started with a story about what brought you to the work of transforming education and specifically the work of Future of School. Absolutely. So I'll have, uh, one, if I can, share one and a half stories, because the more important story that... <laughs> right. that How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we have limited time, but I, both of them are worth sharing. Um, and, and the main reason that I got into school transformation and into being a visionary for what the future could hold goes back to when I was a teacher. During my first year of teaching high school, uh, I taught in a really small school in Colorado, and I was bright-eyed. I had big ambitions to impact the lives of my students. And I'll never forget that, that the day before school started, one of my colleagues was looking at my class list and she pointed out the student's name and was like, oh, oh, you have Johnny. Oh, he's, he's tough. He's angry. He's hostile. And you know, I, I went into the school year with an open mind. I wasn't going to let her jade, you know, her opinion of the student jade me. And within two weeks, he, you know, he had an outburst in my class. He, you know, he threatened to kill me. He was very frustrated. And I decided in that moment that I would never, that I needed to give him a chance. I needed to sit down with him and talk to him because honestly, the only other option was for him to transfer to her class. And we know how that story would have ended. And so I sat down with him. We came up with an agreement. This was obviously after he had paid the consequences and, you know, was suspended. And I told him I wanted him in my class. I set the boundaries for and with him. And it, we went through some rocky moments, but he rose to the occasion and he stayed in my class 
And he honestly ended up being my favorite student and reached out to me um, five years ago, actually, when his brother passed away with a simple ask for me to read the eulogy that he had written and was going to read at his brother's funeral from a, a, an, you know, an unexpected motorcycle accident because wow. he wanted to do right by his brother. And so for me, at a very young age, that taught me the power that we have, not only on the lives of students, but on the lives of our colleagues. And that transformation can happen at a moment in time, and it can also happen in mass too. Wow, that's a powerful story. Yeah, so I guess the other half to that, the other half of that story was when I started doing my doctoral work in instructional technology and adult learning theory back in 2006 and seven, I would talk to people about new ways of teaching and new ways of learning. And I, I just was really interested to know how, how do people feel about that? And the majority of people, I would say 98% of people I talked to conversationally, professionally, blended in online learning, digital education, they had no idea what I was talking about. They were like, well, what do you mean you can learn online? Because <laughs> it was still so new. And so I made it a personal charge to myself to be of service, to help lead those conversations because I saw the impact it had on the lives of students at any age and what it did for them to keep them engaged in school and to give them a true, a truly customized learning experience. So let's take those stories and transition to actually looking under the hood of Future of School. Uh, and on your website, there's some really interesting information. So talk to us about all the different facets of the things that you're focused on. Sure. Yeah. And, I, and again, I, I'll give, touch on, on them briefly because I could talk about each of them all day. Um, Future of School launched in 2016 with the mission to increase access that students and teachers have to personalized learning. So we don't say that technology is the answer. We say technology can catalyze much needed change. So our board came together and, and they had a vision that we would be able to accomplish this by being a nonprofit that didn't do policy work or advocacy, but where we elevated the voices of students and teachers across America. <laughs> so we give scholarships to recent graduates of high school who are going on to any type of post-secondary setting, vocational tech trade, community college, four-year university, who have taken a certain number of online and blended classes in any high school who talk about the impact it had on their lives. And so that's been very powerful because it's given students the, tr the chance to share their experiences. Now, this is all pre-COVID-19, right? So now we're in a different place now because everybody has a story. And what we hear oftentimes is the pain points and the struggles and the challenges. <clears throat> so we actually have, you know, when, when we talk about crisis schooling of our country right now, of school leaders trying to figure it out, um, it's interesting because we've been giving scholarships to kids who have come from small C crises in their lives to be able to stay engaged in school. So whether that the, these, these scholarship winners were being you know, bullied and needed to find a different learning environment, or they were an advanced learner and they wanted to take classes at the community college while they were in high school. There, we have dozens and dozens of reasons that they identify of why that worked for them. And what we've seen through that program is each student is like a snowflake. I know it's kind of, you know, cliche, but it's the truth. We also give grants to teachers who are who want to innovate in the classroom. And then we publish research reports on the impact of digital education. And again, we've been doing this work for the last um, for the last five years. 
So let's talk about some of those pain points that you mentioned and specifically things like um, gaps in access, equity, and technological preparedness that were already pre present in many of us schools and systems and now have been exacerbated by COVID-19 in our planning um, for this school year. How's the Resilient School Project addressing the current challenges um, that many schools are facing? That's a great question, and I'm, I'm excited to share more with you about our Resilient Schools Project. But before I do, I just want to make one statement of what we've all learned and what we've seen is the challenges and struggles related to access, equity, broadband, you know, all, all of them. They, they existed before. Some of them were exacerbated because of COVID-19. But I'm a glasses overflowing kind of gal. I used to say I was the glasses half full, but now I say I'm a glasses overflowing. It, now our country has been made aware of what the challenges our schools face, whether it's you know budget constraints or access and equity. So I see this as being a really um, powerful opportunity to drive the much needed transformation. It's been a long time coming. We've outgrown the one size fits all approach. We just, our systems just haven't followed suit with that, with the knowledge that we need to move forward. And that really is the impetus for the Resilient Schools Project. Uh, a colleague of mine, John Watson, who runs the Digital Learning Collaborative, the DLC, and they've been around for many years. We came together and said, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain grouping of characteristics that, that schools can embody to be able to make it through all of this uncertainty. We don't have the playbook that says, hey, if you follow these steps, you're going to be fine. If you follow this framework, you won't have to, you know, cut anything out of your budget at the end of the year. Instead, what we're saying is if you build the components of resiliency into your district and into your school, then you'll be much farther ahead as we nav continue to navigate these unknown waters. And so the Resilient Schools Project is a network of districts and schools from across America who are coming together as a professional collaborative network to find, share, and create guides on issues that they're facing and best practices. So the Digital Learning Collaborative is going to guide those meetings, compile those resources, and Future of School, we're going to do what we do best, which is document the stories of the evolution of what happens for those schools and districts this year. And we do have some practical themes that will be addressed from rolling school closures to using um, technology to support students on IEPs to teacher training and professional development. There is a structure to it but really it's about that collaborative coming together to fill in and work together to make it through the school year stronger and in a, in a way that will help them moving forward. Certainly sounds timely and definitely addressing some of the pain points that uh, many schools and school systems are feeling as we're trying to stay on our feet. Uh, and you mentioned students earlier. I'm wondering, are students involved in that project directly and what's their role if they are? Yeah, that's a great question. The Resilient Schools Project is for school leaders to help the support them as they're envisioning what school transformation looks like. So they'll, students will be indirectly involved because they'll be um, parts of those conversations because those districts and schools are gonna be working with their stakeholders but they won't be part of the monthly cohort meetings. So let's talk about some of the other work then from um, Future of School and uh, how is the student voice integrated into that work? 
Yeah, student voice, honestly, it's paramount to the work that we do. So as I was sharing earlier about our scholarship program, one of the requirements is that after students receive their award, you know, they are asked to turn, to turn in a video where they document their personal experiences with blended and online learning. So we, we leave it pretty broad. We, want, we don't want to guide them and, you know, give them any, you know, too structured of questions. And every year, the stories that they share and tell, they do two things. One, they reaffirm the importance of having student choice and having elevating student voice in student agency in their education. And two, because our scholarship program is national, it tells us something about what's going on in the country. When we look at our cohort all together, one year it was the majority of our recipients came from rural schools. So we were able to do a deep dive into uh, what's happening with rural schools and digital education. Mm. Last year, the most constant theme from all of the students was um, access, equity, and then COVID. Because what we heard from the kids from this past year, they were selected in February and March. They turned their videos in in June. And what several of them said was, the only aspect of my life that didn't change when the pandemic hit was my education, which is the complete opposite of anything that we read in the media or that we hear from most people, right? Very so it, interesting. it's interesting to hear from them because we didn't ask any, we asked nothing related to it being um, time sensitive for the spring. And mm -hmm. so they, they talked about, when they talked about that, it, they always say things that are inspiring and invigorating, but that we can't ever imagine. And that's why <laughs> the student voice is so important because I made another commitment I made when I was a classroom teacher was it personally and professionally, it pains me when I hear kids say, I hate school. That, that's a really hard pill for me to swallow and I will forever be a teacher at heart. There's a lot of different reasons why kids might feel that way, but I, I think that there's some relatively easy solutions that some schools and districts have been doing over the years to foster curiosity and to keep students in a position of power when it comes to their education. And that's what our scholarship program's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that student voice piece, it's uh, in most places, it's definitely a missing piece. We don't, we tend to create this system and we hoist it on kids and uh, we don't oftentimes integrate their voices into the process. So it's uh, enlightening and invigorating to hear how you're valuing that particular um, component of the system, the students, the learners. Yeah. And I've had to, I've had, we've had to temper ourselves as an organization because, you know, Clearly and obviously, this is a big transition for everyone in our country. When the you know online and blended learning isn't new to America, it's instead it's new to most Americans. And when we look at education, it's such a per, it's so complex, it's so personal, right? You hear people say, "Well, well, I had to walk uphill both ways, and my brother's shoes, and I made it through just fine." And these kids, they're going to be just fine. And and and. So we know that it's a very personal experience and we know that it's very, can be very polarizing. Um, but we have the opportunity to do better and we're being challenged with doing differently for our kids right now. And so I've had to we've had to temper ourselves to say, we have all these great videos from students across the country. They're on our website. We, you know, I, I wanted to say, hey guys, don't worry. We have proof of concept. It works. It works for two thirds of our scholarship winners go to vocational tech and trade schools. So these are kids who are identifying trades, specific skills that they want to hone in on, not, you know, 
not just four-year university students. So we, we meet all of the needs of students and we have great stories to tell. And the time will come, it's just not right now. We still have, people are still reeling from the, the, the change. And it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a time of transition. So I've had to pull back, but they're on our website for people who, <laughs> who want to see them. And we'll link them in the show notes. <laughs> right. All right. So before we invite you to share what's next for you, Amy, we'd love to hear your thoughts on a few rapid response questions. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. Who's one expert our listener should connect with to learn more about school leadership or school transformation? Dr. Brene Brown, I would recommend her hands down. She um, is outside of the ecosystem, I think, of you know the K-12 space, but she's very well revered. She has several books. You know, she's written Daring Greatly, Dare to Lead, Daring Classroom. So she's kind of customized her work around courage and vulnerability to help with school transformation. And in fact, um, it has been said that her research has the power to revolutionize education in America. And she really truly focuses on that your mindset and being in a space and place of being okay with, with change and being okay failing forward, failing fast. So I would definitely recommend Brene Brown. All right, we'll add her to the show notes. If you are recommending one book to our listeners beyond Renee's books, <laughs> uh, what might that book be? Well, and I kind of broke the rules here because it's not a book. So <laughs> okay. That's okay. We like rule breakers. Okay. I mean, I'm like bending the rules. So um, Seth Godin, his Stop Stealing Dreams, Education Transformed. It's about a 90-page education manifesto, he calls it. And it's several years old. It was, it was not written this spring. It was written... It, 14, 15 timeframe. And he asks questions like, what is school for? And when you stop and reflect on that, he challenges you and says, education is worth the 36,000 or some odd words that are in this manifesto. So read it because it, it contextualizes and explains to people why things haven't changed, why they need to change and what role we all play in that in a way that is interesting and engaging. And in Seth Godin, true to his form, a lot of stories and anecdotes. Mm -hmm. All right, last question. What online site or resource or person do you learn from regularly? Honestly, all the people, all <laughs> the teachers, the leaders, the parents and students, all of them combined help. I learn every single day when I talk to them and what they say to me matters a lot. There is a, I'm a very strong supporter and proponent of seeking to understand and listening to just listen, not for my own self, not for self-interest. And I'm really fortunate to run a nonprofit where so much of that I can use in my day-to-day -day job. So I guess there is a little bit of vested interest in it, but there's times where I'll talk to a leader and it ha it, 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 there is no overlap with the work, but I'll find the resources they need. I'll help link them with who they need to talk to to problem solve because that, that's what people want and that's what they need. And so it's, it's all the people. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Our final question, Amy. So what's next for you and, and future of school? And is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, there's a few things that we're working on. Our programs are staying the same. We're still giving scholarships to students. We're looking at our teacher grant program and obviously the Resilient Schools program. But a couple of things that are emerging is, one, we are transitioning from a traditional foundation to a public charity. That's something that we'll be working on over the next few months. 
And so we really do want to move in the space of being the Make-A-Wish, the American Heart Association of the education sector, because there is no public charity that does what those major organizations do for, for the environment, for healthcare, for um, aging populations. There is not one that does that in education, mm -hmm. and we feel primed to do that. So that's one of our top priorities. We also want to elevate our reach and our impact. Um, up until recently, people within the space were interested in what we do, and now we have stories and support mechanisms for potentially all schools. And so we're trying to spread the word on that since we are uh, a growing nonprofit. So we'll be doing that. And then um, increasing our storytelling and information sharing to keep parents, students, leaders, ed educators, and American citizens educated and empowered because we're finally seeing that learning is at the core of the human spirit and that school is a place and learning happens anywhere, anytime. So we'll, we're going to continue to lead this movement. All right, excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Um, to learn more about Amy's work, you can visit some of the links in the show notes. We added some links to the suggestions Amy offered, Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, and that Stop Stealing Dreams manifesto. Each episode will leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, what is your vision for school transformation? And how can you engage with the future of school after hearing today's conversation? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season seven, episode four. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Amy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.